Hey, this is a class. And this is Mecca. And you're listening to Identity Politics, a podcast on race, gender, and Muslims in America, presented by Alt Muslima. Mecca, tell our listeners where they can find us. You can find us on Twitter at Identity P-O-L-P-O-D. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash Identity Politics. Awesome. And don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what you're listening to, you can go to iTunes and give us five stars and write up a quick review on what you think about identity politics. Questions, suggestions, comments, they're all welcome. Hey, Mecca. Hey, Aklas. How's it going? It's going well, girl. It's um, been such a beautiful weekend in Atlanta this weekend, so I've just been trying to spend as much time outside as possible. I have been spending as much time inside as possible. <laughs> this is us, even though it's also beautiful in D.C. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you just have to stay in. Also, this is us is, like, worth staying in for. Oh, for sure. Like, I want to give up all of my friends and my job <laughs> just to watch it full time. <laughs> That's crazy because I've had so many conversations this week about that show. With different groups of people. Everyone's like, have you seen? Are you caught up? <laughs> yeah. And, okay, I'm not going to get into this too much because we have a really exciting episode we need to get to. But Randall is probably the most interesting, complex, dynamic, like dorky black character I've ever seen on primetime TV. And I it's it. so cool to watch all of the different storylines that they gave him that aren't just like black men in America. I know, I know. And it, I remember when they were first doing the trailer for this show, I remember my watching it with my sister and she was like, oh my God, like another black man trying to find his daddy. And then you like actually watch the show and it's just so much more complex than that. Um, and it's so well done. And everyone I talk to is like, I love the black family on this show. Like, Yes, they're so amazing. Amazing to get They've- this. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, watching that show, it makes me feel like I'm acknowledging Black History Month because I'm watching this beautiful Black family, even (laughs) though everyone else is white on the show. But I'm going to take that. That is my Black History Month contribution. Binge watching This Is Us. I I hope NBC listens to this episode and provides us with some advertising money. Yeah, yeah. We just did a Black History Month commercial for that show. (laughs) (laughs) But like, okay, so it's Black History Month. Um, have you done anything to acknowledge Black History Month? Like, what is it usually like for you? Girl, I live and die Black. Like, that (laughs) is my acknowledgement. We're doing this podcast where we're talking about all this stuff. I honestly feel like Black History Month isn't something I have externally acknowledged since I was in school, like high school, when there were specific readings and posters and, and things like that. But now I feel like my entire life, and the perspective that I'm bringing and the conversations that I'm having are like, hey, black people exist. Hey, black Muslims exist. Know, right? hey, we all matter. So it's like, yeah, this month is nice because everyone else is paying attention to it. But, you know, we've been it's, doing that. It's a daily exercise. I'm like, we need to treat Black History Month like a holiday. And just like half 30, like 28 days off of work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Black Liberation Month. That's what I'm talking about. I know. But, you know, because I think we both think the same way of like just being black is like a daily exercise of like dealing with so many things like joy, hope, pain, sorrow, like struggle um, that 
we often don't do things during this month to acknowledge it. And we realized that something that we're doing with the podcast, like we hadn't really thought to do a Black History Month episode um, until we received a pitch from one of our longtime listeners, Bashira Mack. And she pitched us and she said, hey, I just got my DNA um, ancestry test results back I would love to you know be on the platform of identity politics to talk about those results and immediately we both were like oh man this is this is something incredibly relevant like something incredibly interesting I really want to know her results and it's something that I think that black people in general have a really specifically um african-americans um descendants of slaves, I think, have a really difficult time talking about, right? Like in our Mm -hmm. own families of our history, because it's often marked with very painful stories, right? Um, Of trying to figure out where our people are from, and then the horrors of slavery that happened to them. Um, And it's something that we don't often like to look back on. So I was really happy that she pitched this episode. Yeah. And Eklas, I'm curious if you're willing to share, since we have some personal conversations happening on this episode today. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, have you thought about your own family history and uh, thinking about where you come from? Are these questions that you're grappling with or you've kind of put them behind you? Man, it's, you know how you like to think that you've put things behind you, but you never really do. Keep coming back. They keep coming back. They manifest in your daily existence where you think you've hidden something, but the way you react and respond to things, it's clear that you haven't resolved that. And so that's that's the space that I'm in. Um, I think that I am one of those people that it's very, very difficult for me to talk about my family history. Um, it's something I, I don't like to talk about unless you're incredibly close to me um, is when I'll actually share information. Um, something that has made me cry a lot. Um, it's made me be angry. And it's hard when you do come from a family where you know things that have happened that people don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, do you ask those questions? Do you, how, and I I was talking to my husband Joshua about this of like, how do you balance wanting to know more, but also knowing that wanting to know more can cause someone pain, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that's a very difficult thing. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of black people in this country experience. I know for me, there's there's that aspect of it, the potential for pain of finding out information that you don't want to know. But also, I've been reflecting a lot about how so much of who we are is uh, understood through oral tradition and is passed down by stories. And so who I am is, or how I understand who I am is basically what people, the elders in my family have told me. Yes. So I'm afraid, like, what if? it's a lie you know where do you where do you start like where who who am I then if I find out that some of the stories that I've grown up knowing about where I come from about who my family is you know what if there are things that got lost in translation and you know truths that are not so truthful and I, I think that would just send me into an identity spiral that I'm not quite prepared for at this time but I'm actively working towards I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there I know it's it's and I always think about this too Mecca is like how we shouldn't feel this way right like I I hate that there's this feeling of like because people lie right because they feel shame or mm-hmm. guilt around their history and it's just like 
every day we're still living the horrors of slavery, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's no accident that our families were broken down and torn apart. Um, And so a part of me now, like I'm inspired by our guest today, Bashira Mack, um, who is a longtime friend of ours. Uh, she She's uh, from, from Atlanta. ATL, <laughs> represent. So, yeah, so shout out to Bashira, first of all, for pitching this topic. And also, she's a social media coordinator for Sapelo Square, which, if you don't know about, you should get to know about. They're an online resource that chronicle uh, Black history and culture um, in the United States. And they've been doing, like, Black Muslim history of facts every day on social media. So that's really cool. So you should check that out. But we're also going to be joined by Camila Rashad, who is an incredible person who I admire. And I'm so excited that she was willing to come on and talk to us because I saw a discussion on Facebook led by her about deciding to pay for a DNA test to trace her lineage. And, and a lot of other people jumped in about their experiences trying to track down their history. And uh, Camila, she's the founder and president of the Muslim Wellness Foundation and works a lot in reducing stigma around mental illness, around trauma in the American Muslim community. She's also uh, at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, the fellow for spirituality, wellness and social justice. So we'll hear from Camila and Bashir a little later. So this episode is really special to me, but I do want to make a couple notes about terminology because sometimes when you're sitting around talking with your friends, you start using words interchangeably and maybe you don't mean the same thing. Yep. People don't understand <laughs> the same things that That's you true. mean to say. Oh, so we talk about black, African-American and regular black. <laughs> so all of those very loaded terms. <laughs> yeah, very, you know, very scientific terms that totally have one fixed definition. Um, But in all seriousness, I think we in this episode use Black and African American interchangeably. But I do, my understanding of these terms is that African American was created for descendants of slaves um, who didn't have a particular country that they could trace their lineage back to because they were a mix of different um, heritages. And so they needed a correlation for German Americans and Irish Americans. And so African American is the term that we got as the descendant of slaves. Now, Black when we talk about black, we're talking about the expansive diversity of blackness. There are black people in every part of the globe um, and every culture. And a lot of times we use black and African-American interchangeably because African-American is a mouthful. And yep. <laughs> I'm just like, look, I'm black. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot to say. And also, yeah. I feel like African-American, too, the way I associate it in my mind is like with an older generation of black people, too. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. And every generation, you know, we come, we define these terms in the way that makes sense to us. And I do think the experience of black people in this country, no one's being like, hey, are your parents Nigerian immigrants or are you a descendant of slaves before they decide to throw their anti-blackness in your face? That's absolutely not happening. (laughs) Yeah. So I I do think that there there's a a reason sociologically, probably why we've gravitated towards this term black, because the way we experience blackness in this country kind of doesn't always always leave us room for those cultural nuances that we experience on a day-to-day basis in our own homes. But regular black, Iklaus, talk about that. <laughs> oh, regular black is such, such a loaded term. And I'm just going to share a quick, quick story about, so when my husband first met um, my family, he came over and as soon as he left, they were like, 
oh, wait, so is he like half Native American? Is he <laughs> Puerto Rican? And I was like, no, he's just regular black. And so regular black, when I was saying that, I meant like, no, he's a descendant of slaves like us. You African know, American. African American. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure if you look back, he might, you know, have some Native American or Puerto Rican. But his existence today is that, you know, his daily experiences is as an African-American, like for black sure. person in America. Yeah. So oh, thank you for that. But I do think when you hear regular black and black and African-American in this episode, just know that we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing uh, is we talk a lot about slaves and Muslim slaves. And some estimates state that about a third of all African slaves brought to this country were Muslim which is knowledge that sometimes I take for granted. But the more I talk to people, the more I realize that's not something that everybody knows. And everyone doesn't know that Islam was here before this country was even a country. There was a tweet that I saw recently that said, if y'all didn't want Muslims in America, y'all shouldn't have brought us here. So, yeah, just remember that going into this episode that's as well. That's tweet. <laughs> Um, and then just one last note. I know y'all are like, what? What are all these rules for listening to the episode? Well, this is a this is a different type of episode. It's one that we haven't done before, and it's one that you know I think is incredibly heavy. Um, mm -hmm. It's incredibly heavy. We had this conversation, and there are several points where I teared up. Um, and you, we for this episode, if you are listening with children or people that are sensitive to these issues you should know that it touches on topics such as slavery and violence against black bodies um so that's just something that we thought you would want to know going into this episode So on this episode, we're going to be digging into a question that we hear a lot. And that question is, where are you from? No, where are you really from? And a lot of Black Americans don't always know how or want to answer that question. But as Black History Month winds down, we talked to Camila Rashad and Bashira Mack about why they decided to learn more about who they are and where they come from and the emotional journeys that ensued. So for our listeners, Bashira, she sent us a pitch, uh, which everyone is welcome to do. If you listen to Identity Politics, you can always send us a pitch. And so Bashira took up that offer and she sent us an email like, hey, I've done my DNA ancestry. I want to talk about it on the podcast. Bashira, you also left it with a sort of cliffhanger where I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like, what did she find out? I was like, is Bashir actually like 70% white? Like, is she European? <laughs> She's Asian. <laughs> She's Asian. Like, <laughs> I know that when I, when I was thinking about all this, initially I wanted, to, I didn't, I wanted, I knew I wanted to share it. And I thought this was just really special and important information. And I thought, okay, the weight of it, the scale of it, how long has, you know, people in my family not known this information? How long have we been deprived of knowing? Mm. And so I, I kind of wanted to safeguard the way in which I shared it and not just throw it on Facebook. Like, you know, people are like, oh, what's your ethnic group? What did you find out? I'm like, yeah, that's confidential. Yeah, because <laughs> it is important, right? Yeah. Like, it's a part of your history. Like, it's it's not just some casual thing that you can share. Um, I think there's an emotional aspect of it. There's just the historical aspect of it. So I think that was a good call on your part. I don't know that I'd be putting all my DNA stuff <laughs> on the internet anyway. It's so true. I don't know if this happens every time you go somewhere, but for me, people are always like, hey, girl, like, where are you from? Where are you from? Um, <laughs> especially when I'm with, like, my mom and sister because 
you know, and especially when you have your head wrapped up, people uh, are just like, you must not be from here. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious, like when people ask you where you're from, Bashira, do you, what kind of answers do you give them? Do you stick to one or do you make up some stuff? <laughs> <laughs> There's a script. <laughs> um, I mean, like, well, I mean, I'm from Atlanta, but I live in Chicago. So people ask me where I'm from. I'm like, oh, I'm from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll be like, no, but no, where, where are you really, really from? from? <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, well, my parents are from South Carolina. <laughs> and they're like, um, but... But no. where are you really where from? Are you and so, but like, if someone asks me directly, like, are you Nigerian? Because I get that a lot. <laughs> right. Like, are you Nigerian? Um, I used to, in the past, you know, when I was younger, I'd be like, no, you know. But like now, since I know that there's, there's so many possibilities about what my ancestry is, I don't even say no anymore. If someone asks me, hey, are you Nigerian? I'll say, Am I? I don't know. It might be there. I just usually say, it might be there. We'll yeah. see, you know. Um, but yeah, people, I mean, people, I've even had people that know me very well that tell me like, well, you kind of don't look regular black. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what regular black look like. <laughs> what does that mean? The regular black is like... <laughs> How I feel like I'm infamous for using that. <laughs> I, I use like that terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I don't even know what that looks like. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just know regular black and you call it. But then it's so crazy because we're doing this whole ancestry thing too, where it's just like so. No one like yeah. What does it really mean to be regular black? I feel like it's. I don't know. Mecca, you got how's it. How's that package? How's, <laughs> that, how's that package? What's that look? Um, so I'm getting saved because Camila is ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm adding her to the Let's call right Camilla now. Let's ask Camila what regular black is. <laughs> Wait, what did I hear about regular black? <laughs> so y'all getting started too early in the morning. It is too early. You have to tell us, Camila, what is regular black? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to find out by up. the end of this podcast. We're going to find out. You know, I have I have many thoughts about regular black. Please share oh, them. And this this quote unquote regular black is a phrase that I started using in college because yes. quite honestly, being from Atlanta, where yes. it's just like people just identify as black, maybe Jamaican or like maybe <laughs> right. you're from New York or something. <laughs> but then going to Boston where everyone was like Nigerian American, Ghanaian American, like, Cape Verdean. Yeah. Haitian, I was just like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know I needed to find a category. And so people would just be like, oh, you're regular black. Like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's sometimes, depending on the situation, I think that can either be an insult or something that you're using in a very subversive way. So if someone says, because, you know, it, this is just also including people who are multiracial, who are biracial. Um, if you don't look like you can fit neatly into one category, then people really, they're really curious about, you know, where you're from, what's your background, how did you get here? And I've found that sometimes that, that line of questioning for people who are descendant of enslaved Africans can be very um, triggering Um, in terms of triggering feelings of shame and humiliation um, and also of guilt. Like these are questions I may not even be able to answer. And so I think that when someone is saying it as an insult, it's like, oh, 
you don't know your people. Mm-hmm. You don't know where you're from. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't know anything about who you are. Okay. I have nothing to say to you. You know, we can't even have a discussion because you're just, you're, you're a commoner. You're just, you know, someone who is, you know, kind of indicates like uneducated, um, not sophisticated, all of those things I think is kind of bundled into using regular black as an insult. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think the way that, that I have sometimes used it as, you know, kind of turning it on its head. Like when we use the N word, when some people even use the word queer, um, it's to kind of flip it and say, you know what, I'm going to embrace this because there is something that is fundamentally unique about being regular black, you mm-hmm. know, and that, and that should sort of contain in its definition that there is no place on the planet where you will find a black American. We are unique to this place, to this history, Mm -hmm. to this context. And so when I've used it, it's to say, yes, I may have um, ancestry that includes European American. It may include, um, you know, West African or, you know, of the diaspora, but being from here, being from this place, I am, I am unapologetically a descendant of enslaved Africans because what does that mean? That means there, there were so many hundreds and thousands of people that lived through this horror so I could be here. Mm-hmm. So if you think that's regular, then so <laughs> that's be it. That's on you, yeah. <laughs> I'm extra regular. <laughs> yes. That's, and, I, that was, I did not have the words to give that definition. Thank you. <laughs> And just for some context, you know, we started on this conversation because we asked Bashir, you know, in the past, like when people ask, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you really from? Like, what's the conversation that you're willing to have in that moment? What, what's the type of answer that you're, you're willing to give? Um, so is what you just said something that you would say in a casual conversation with a new acquaintance or do you have a different script that you tend to turn to? I always tell people I'm a descendant of enslaved Africans. And it makes them really uncomfortable. Yeah, I've, I've, I've tried that. <laughs> I think just to say I'm Black American, I, I think kind of ignores the complexity of what they're asking me. Mm. And so if they're going to go there and, and either through, you know, kind of naivete or because they're just ignorant and kind of unaware, if they're going to go there with that question, then we're going to go there because mm. you started it. Oh. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I've thought about this question, too, because I've seen so many of these sort of two minute clips of, you know, Ancestry.com. Right. Um, and it's their sort of promo for people getting the DNA test. Um, and I've seen one of, you know, European-Americans, of one uh, woman who's um, who's Latina and indigenous. And then I saw one of a woman. I think her name is Lynn. And she talks about finding in her results that she's 26 percent Nigerian. This clip of her, I have to say, irks me to no end. And I'm trying to find the words to describe why, because she says, you know, this 26% Nigerian. And so they show, you know, kind of uh, images of her, like now looking in the mirror, she has like on a really colorful, beautiful gaylay. And she says, well, you know, now it's not just a hat. It means so much more than that. And I want to find out more about my culture. And I'm thinking, you're still regular black. <laughs> so because if someone found out that they were, you know, say a white American found out that they were 26 um, uh, percent of, of uh, African origin, 
would we really be allowing them to now say, I'm going to find out about my culture? I'm going to find out about what it means to be African or what it means to be black? Because there's, there's context that also contributes to that meaning. So when she's saying that and, you know, kind of putting on a gay lay and I'm like, being of a culture does not mean simply what you wear. Um, even when she called it a hat, I was like, there's even terminology for, for what it is. So, you know, I, sometimes I want to caution us to not use the results as a means to escape regular blackness. Mm. You know, it should inform who we are and kind of help fill in some of the gaps. But we are still rooted in this place. And so I would feel very uncomfortable about saying to someone who's actually Nigerian-American, oh, I found out that I'm 26% Nigerian. Can you teach me about my culture? They would look at me like I was crazy. (laughs) I've often got from other Muslims, too, who are like, oh, you can't be regular black um, because you're Muslim. And they're trying to figure out, like, which West African country I'm from because it's like, oh, no, you must be there because you're Muslim. So I'm interested mm-hmm. in for both uh, you, Bashira and Camila, like that relationship of find, like that connection between being Muslim and being black. And how has that the Muslim part of your identity helped you connect back to your history more? What's been that relationship? If you um, come from a predominant African-American Muslim community, as I did, then it's like Islam teaches us to seek knowledge, right? Islam teaches us to 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 understand, not to deny ourselves or our history. Um, so I feel like just being black and Muslim in America, I've always been nurtured to to know these things, to be knowledgeable, um, to be to have a sense of pride um, in in who we are and where we come from. Camila, what about you? For me, there was never a question growing up. I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn in Master Tatakwa. It was predominantly African American community, but also included, you know, just as, you know, as the Brooklyn landscape included, you know, Africans, you know, West Indians. Um, for me, there was never this um this angst about whether or not I could be black and Muslim. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a more recent phenomenon. Um, as the non-Black Muslim community struggles with that. Sometimes I think that angst may be imposed on us. Like, well, can you be American and Muslim? And, you know, when I see that there are, you know, workshops or kind of discussions with that title, I'm thinking, why haven't we put that to rest? (laughs) Why are we still struggling with it? Because there is no contradiction. And I think when people assume, perhaps because you're covered, that signals some kind of foreignness that we've bought and we've internalized that idea that Islam is incompatible with America because anyone who knows the history knows that it's been here um, from, from the enslaved, from free people. Um, And so this is just a continuation of how Islam has evolved. And so for someone to say, oh, well, you know, and and I've gotten that abroad because people abroad don't know about the history of Islam in America. So when I say I'm from Brooklyn, they just laugh. They're like, ha, ha, ha. So rude. And so they're like, well, where are your grandparents from? And I'm like, ha, 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 from Indiana. Right. The U.S., (laughs) okay. (laughs) And so I think that's, that's a matter of lack of 
um, understanding of history. And so I'm, I'm not going to play into that and sort of say like, oh, yeah, you think I look like I'm from some other place? Ha ha. You know, I'm like, no, this is means that I have to now give you a history lesson. Yeah. Um, a quick follow-up yeah. on that history question for both of you. I was recently at a class with Sheikh Mohammed Mendez, and one of the main takeaways was about the importance of knowing your history, but yeah. not just in the sense that we've been talking about our history and our blood history and our, our heritage, but he talked about how as Muslims, we also inherit this Islamic heritage, right? Like this, yes. the Sira, the traditions of the prophets, like all of those kinds of things. Like we inherit this rich religious legacy um, that give, also gives us a sense of who we are in this world. So as black Muslims, how have you felt connected to Islamic history? Like, has that given you a sense of, of belonging or are there limitations to that connection? Well, I, I, for one, I love Sheikh Mendez um, and his <laughs> yeah. wife and the work that they're doing with sacred service. Um, it is so timely and so important um, because I think that's that to me, that's like the next level of what we have to learn, you know, as, as black Americans, um, as, as black Muslims in general, um, is about the history here. But if we're talking about being descendant of enslaved Africans who were possibly Muslim, then we have to learn about how they embody the Islamic scholarship and, and, and knowledge from that place. Mm. So I think sometimes there's a tendency to say, yes, I know that, you know, I'm part of a rich tradition of, um, Muslims in this country, and then we kind of mentally transport ourselves back to Mecca, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> there was a <laughs> and so finding out about, you know, how people memorize the Quran and, you know, I, I love also the work, the walking Quran. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Um, yes. So, you know, it's like finding, almost connecting the dots. If we're going to go back to the time of the prophet, we have to connect, you know, kind of go backwards in time to say, how did, how did this get here? And mm. so to, to look at the West African tradition is also something I think adds to our level of confidence in owning that there's an authentic Islam that we are a part of. Um, and it, and, and then it also connects us to the original community. I do want to ask Bashira, what ultimately led you to going down this path and asking questions about your family's history and deciding to get the DNA test? Sure. Well, I, this is something that I've been thinking about for really a really long time, probably at least 20 years. Um, and, you know, growing up, my dad would always share a lot of the oral history with us, um, on his side of the family, we didn't know a whole lot about the ancestry of my mother's side, but at the same time, we had more living relatives on my mother's side. A lot of people on my, on my father's side, they lived to be like centurions, so they were living to be over 100 years old. And one of the oldest relatives on his side of the family, she was born in 1868, which is like three years after slavery in South Carolina. So, and she lived into the 1970s and you know, he just had a, a wealth of knowledge and information about, you know, his side of the family. And I was always, always really interested and intrigued about knowing more. Um, so I think this, getting this done, um, and I decided to get it done as a birthday present to myself uh, in December. So I was like, okay, I have this extra money. This is something that I've been thinking about for a really long time. I need to just go for it. Um, and about... 2008, I I actually met the geneticist who owns this company that I decided to go with. 
I decided to go with Ancestry.com. Oh, AfricanAncestry.com um, because they specialize in African ancestry uh, genealogy and genetic testing. And that's what I wanted to know. I know there's other tests out there that test other things, but I wanted to focus on the African roots and genealogy to sort of like piece together this part of, of my existence. So I think that it's always been a lifelong thing that I wanted to do. And when I found out that it was uh, available, I was like, I got to get on it. But I also, prior to meeting the geneticist that did the test, and he actually was living in Chicago and teaching in Chicago at the time um, when I was a student here. So that's how I, I connected with him. Um, but he was also featured on Dr. Henry Louis Gates' um, African-American Live series. Mm. The first uh, cu- couple of series when they were testing like these you know, African-American celebrities and yeah, testing their ancestry. That. Yeah, they did Oprah. They did like Chris Rock. They did a lot of people. And he, he was featured in the series. So that's how I initially, you know, came to understand, like, oh, we can get this test done, mm-hmm. you know, and find out some stuff. So fast forward, um, December rolled around. I was like, I'm doing this. I, I just need to get it done. Got it done. And was just waiting for my results. And it happened to come back in February. Wow. <laughs> like history month. Don't tell us yet. Don't tell us yet. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to build the suspense. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. I was so, for as long as I've wanted to get it done, again, like, not even kidding you, it's been, like, over 10 years since I've, this thing has been, like, on my mind. Um, and, you know, I would always get people, I have a lot of friends from all over, I've traveled and lived in different places, um, but, I, you know, a lot of my African friends, um, they always ask me, are you Nigerian? Yeah, you know, and then my name is Bashira, and there's like a lot of people, I guess, named Bashira in Nigeria. Also, <laughs> I didn't know and that. And like when there's a song when I was living in Ghana, I had a lot of friends from Nigeria that were also students. I went to the University of Ghana uh, for studying abroad, and there were a lot of Nigerian students there, and they were like, "Oh, they would start singing this song because apparently there's a song." called Bashira Bashira. And, <laughs> and that's how, and that's how it goes. <laughs> I'm definitely um, YouTubing this after. Well, you got your own song. So like, <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, no one really knew my name in America. Like my name is not like that type of name in America where it just flows off your tongue and people are like, they their songs about it. So mm-hmm. I was excited that, to know that there's a song about my name somewhere in the world. Um, but when I found, you know, people would ask me if I'm like Yoruba or they would just throw it out there. And I'm like, well, I don't I don't really say no because it's always been unknown. For sure. So I just be like, I don't know. You know, it's like, I don't know. It might be. Who knows? Oh, yeah. so you don't but- pretend like me. <laughs> we oh, had an God. episode of the podcast <laughs> where I talked about just pretending. <laughs> Camila, what about you? What led you down this path? So my... I see it as almost like this quest that I've taken on. Um, it started when I was 12 and I was attending very, you know, at, at the time, I guess they would call themselves liberal, um, predominantly white Quaker school in Brooklyn. Mm. And, you know, this is kind of school where we call the teachers by our first name and all that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and my mother was like, don't you dare. Uh, <laughs> But they asked the question, I remember I was 12 and, and, you know, we were studying, um, you know, kind of immigration and, um, you know, 
migration and things like that. And so we had this whole section on, you know, everyone in the class talking about their sort of immigration story. And so mostly everyone um, of my classmates talked about um, their grandparents or great grandparents parents coming from Ellis Island and how they've been there and they can find their names listed. And then, you know, kind of all eyes turned to me, like the only black person. And, and I was like, I don't know, you know, and people were like, what? How do you don't know? Maybe you could go ask your mom. Mm. And I was like, no, it's not about asking my mom. And at the time I didn't know my biological father. Mm. Um, and my mother didn't know her biological father. Um, so the only grandparent that I had known was my mother's mother. Um, and, you know, of course, in, in a lot of our histories, there's so much pain around even just disclosing about certain family members. So there was, there was no information that I had. Um, and so that really, you know, prompted me to, to be interested one just immediately about my biological father. Um, but also this question, where are you from? I I just remember feeling so much shame. I felt humiliated. Um, and because of how my mother raised us and taught us, I couldn't tell her that. You know, she raised us very, very pro-black. You know, I was going to rallies at Slave Theater when I was eight years old. You know, she raised us that way. But just that question, no one had ever asked me that question in that way. Um, And I think it was the response from my peers that made me feel like, well, this is something that they even take for granted as knowledge of of themselves. Um, And I couldn't answer it. So, you know, I still have the book that I started to take notes in when I was 12. Um, and just asking people questions. Um, you know, I, I just became known as like the persistent one, <laughs> I, you know, I would just very innocently ask questions. And sometimes as children, we don't know if the questions we ask are really landmines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I was so sincere, I was able to get a lot of, of, of questions answered. Um, and so when I became an adult, you know, I, I started with ancestry and, you know, have, have traveled, I've, I've since met my biological father, um, and have a great relationship with him and, and that side of the family. Um, and so for me, this was the next, um, it was the next step for me. Um, and I struggled with whether or not I wanted to do it because I thought like, what will it actually change? Um, Bashira, I do have a question since you mentioned studying abroad in Ghana, what was that experience like for you going and living in West Africa, especially in the context of what we're talking about and finding out your roots and and where you're from? And I know Ghana is a very significant place um, culturally um, for the transatlantic slave trade. Um, So can you can you talk a little bit more? Because, you know, you were in college and and what was that like going to, to West Africa? That was such a phenomenal, life-changing and life-giving experience. I highly recommend any and all people of African descent, if your ancestors were enslaved anywhere in the Western Hemisphere, like from Canada to South America, like I would definitely recommend that if you have the opportunity to go. Um, It's nothing like putting your feet on the ground. It's nothing like you can read about these places. It's nothing like being there. And to be honest, as, as a black American and uh, Muslim, you know, Hajj is really important to us. Making that pilgrimage to Mecca and to, to God's house is really important, really significant. It's one of the five pillars, um, of Islam. And, you know, and I know how significant that is, but for me personally, 
I always wanted my first international experience to be going back to the continent of Africa. Mm. Um, to me, that was even not at more important, but it was more of a priority mm. because there is something, there's just something missing when you, you know, don't know. And, you know, black people don't know about the ancestry, not because of our own negligence, but because of slavery, because of, you know, oppression, you know, that was something that was taken away from us. So for me, it was like, this is, this is definitely where I want to go first. Um, and, you know, and when I got there, I had to apply for a grant with the state department and, you know, do all this financial aid stuff. And it was great because it worked out. And I actually wrote inside of my proposal, um, that, Hey, you know, not only am I studying abroad, you know, in the continent of Africa, but I also want to reconnect with, you know, my, my, my identity and my ancestry. So it's really interesting how it was the U S state department that funded my trip, when also <laughs> it's the U S government that sanctioned our enslavement. Yeah. <laughs> to be true. black in America, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> always, I was always. like, it's coming. It's you coming you got your, your little reparations. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. Like, okay, Take okay. it how you can get it. Take it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, but going there, um, one of the first things we had to do, um, they, they put it on the itinerary that we had to visit one of the slave dungeons. And I knew that that was some place that we had to go. And I was like, okay, you know, just going to be there, going to do it. And when I got there, it, like the tour guide, she is a woman of African descent. Oh, she's, you know, she's Ghanaian. So she's, she's from there. Um, and I didn't know how to like think about how do I ask her? Um, Cause there were a lot of white people in our group. And I kind of knew that I want to just, just be in my emotions and whatever it was that I felt, I didn't want to feel restricted or have to hold it in. And before I could say anything, she came to me and she said, Hey, I know this trip means different things to different people. Would you like to do a separate tour? And I, just, my heart, just like this big burden, just like was lifted off my shoulders. I'm like, she knew exactly, like she knew what to say. I didn't even have to say it. And I really appreciated that about that experience because I was able to just be, at, you know, be in the moment. And of course I cried for like 20 minutes as soon as I touched down and got there. And I was able to just be in that space and to, to, to think about, you know, how my, my literal existence to this day is a result of these events in history that happened. Yeah. But sure. I have a, I'm thinking about like whenever families go in search of their history, you know, there are some people like you who are really invested in it. And then there are other family members who are like, I don't actually want to know. Like, especially when, you know, when your history is clouded with violence and things like that, some people just aren't prepared to handle that. So I'm curious in your own family, were you the one like spearheading this and everyone else was like, I rather not. Like, what was that like within your own family? That's a really good question because um, I, I, I'm really big into history and just knowing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just very curious uh, about it. And I also had the means to do it. Like, um, but there's in my immediate family um, that are all, you know, they're all Muslim, my, my parents and my siblings. Um, they were really excited. They were really, really, really excited about finding out. And what I did, I tested my mother's line. So I tested my mother's maternal line. So everyone from my mom to my grandma, to my great grandma, to her mom, all the way back uh, between 500 and 2000 years. So oh I, I tested only a portion of my family's lineage mm. uh, so far. Um, and every, it was, you know, very much like, you know, 
I had my, my siblings sending me messages saying, we're so, we're so glad that you're doing this. This is exciting. We're proud of you. Like, you know, they couldn't wait, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, the other thing is I have an extended family and they're mostly Christian. Um, and it's really funny. We'll get to it later, but it's really funny how the results I got, I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know how I would share this with you or if I would share, I don't know how you would take the results. Mm. Um, I don't know, you know? Um, so there's, and there's some people, you're right. There's some people that, I mean, giving their current circumstance, they really don't, they live day by day, you know, so they don't have the luxury to think about, you know, the past or, you know, these sort of, it's, um, there's a certain level of privilege that comes with this, you know, in itself, because there's people who may not have the same economic, you know, ability to spend this kind of money on a test to find out, you know, what part of their ancestry they come from. So I know that for me, this wasn't just for me. It It was meant to benefit, you know, not only myself, but my family, my extended family, and, you know, the future generations, nieces and nephews, um, for all of us to be able to connect to the past. So in a way, I just feel thankful and grateful that I was able to do so. Um, but there are some people who probably aren't thinking too much into this and not thinking too deeply about it. This is definitely encouraging me to start to ask some questions. Even just a couple years ago, I uh, interviewed my dad. Not interviewed sounds more formal than it was, <laughs> but I literally was just like, can you tell me your life story? And the m- amount of history wrapped up in his life story was like overwhelming <laughs> to me. Mm. And I'm like, you're like 60. Like you're not even <laughs> that old. right. Like what can I do with like hundreds of years of knowledge? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know why, Mecca, that made me think about, like, the Forrest Gump movie, <laughs> where he tells his life story, but it's all of this history wrapped in it. Obviously not the same. Oh, that's, yeah. That's literally Nadim Ali. <laughs> but I also think that there's, like, a spiritual element to this because, you know, just giving our history, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very violent past. And, you know, it's, there's been a lot of oppression but I think there's also someone who may have prayed, you know, some ancestor that prayed, hey, you know, let my children or descendants return to, the, you know, home. And, you know, I, I believe or turn back to Islam or something. You know, I believe that we're like our ancestors prayers made manifest. I, I definitely believe that somebody prayed for us, you know. Oh, um, and then I, so I think about it in that in that sense, like we don't exist in this vacuum. This stuff didn't just happen. There's all these series of events that that led up to our very existence. And then I, when I got the results, I was like, "Whoa!" Like I'm still processing it. It's been like two weeks, but it's it's gonna take some time <laughs> to process. Um, but I think that's also the fun part about knowing these things. There's so many more. Once you find out, there's so many more questions. I'm just like talking. I'm not even asking any questions anymore, but because I'm like, I got things to share too. But no, a few years ago, I watched 12 Years a Slave and I, there rarely does a, a film like teach me something. Um, you know, I, I grew up in 
a black household and my parents were very open about our family history and where we come from and the tragedies of slavery. But there was something about watching that movie that really drilled into me that my very existence is a miracle. And that, like you said, someone had to be not only praying for us, but just by deciding to keep living through that, to wake Mm -hmm. up every single day with the hopes and no evidence to the contrary that there might be something better on the other side for your children and grandchildren, that it, it, I'm so humbled by that legacy and by that faith that our ancestors had. And yeah, so that whole thing about prayer really spoke to me. I'm a part of this book club and, and we were reading Underground Railroad um, for this month. And I also was watching the series Underground and it's crazy because like Mecca, you were saying, like you grow up in a household where none of these things are secrets to you. Like, you know, the struggles of your people, but it's just every time you look back at history, of course, it's it's filled with joy, right? And hope for our ancestors who continue going. And then it's the really difficult stories, too, that you have to read. Like in the book, there's a mom who runs away on the plantation and leaves her daughter And her daughter just like grows up feeling like such hate towards her mom. And so it's like those also really difficult stories that you have to look back on. And Bashir, that's when I was asking you about your family, because it does uncover like, right, the horrors of slavery um, that are really hard to digest sometimes. I, I often ask myself, okay, what will it change? Like, how will this help me? And then on the other side, I also feel a lot of the times I'm like, oh man, like this is still the burden of slavery that we're carrying yeah. where we have That's to funny. be made to feel like shame and guilt. And it's like, you know, this was done to us, but we still have to do the work, right? Of so. repairing our family history, chasing it back and connecting each other. And so having done the work, what do you think has changed for you? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, I guess, the most poignant moments I can remember is um, traveling to Indiana. Um, We actually drove from from Philadelphia to Evansville, um, Indiana, to visit some extended family and, you know, to find records and graves. Um, And it was, you know, getting more clues. And and for me, this is this is like a quest. It's like a treasure hunt is unearthing all of these things. And I don't know what what I'll find. Um, but you know, it was finding my fourth great grandparents listed on a plantation in Sumner County, Tennessee. And I just remember I, I, I cried, you know, it's like, sometimes you, even before I knew this, I could safely say that I'm a descendant of enslaved Africans. Right. Mm-hmm. But to actually find their names and to know, or, or their first names, right. Or their ages and being able to kind of connect that, um, and sometimes they're nameless, like that, it hurts. And, and I think that's the part of even f- going on um, doing a, a family history um, that I hope people are also prepared for is not just finding the information, but also then understanding or, or, or sort of imagining then what their lives would have been like. Mm. Um, and so, you know, to see these women, um, and, and I found like a very strong kind of matrilineal line, um, in my family too, that these women bore so many children and they were, and they survived. Like, I, I'm not going to romanticize and say like, mm-hmm. Oh, they were so strong. They were like Tubman. Um, <laughs> but 
but they, they bore like 10 children and maybe like five survived or, you know, like that. I mean, that it, it gives me goosebumps to know that these are the things that they live through. And so when I thought and I put off like sending away for the results for a long time because I felt like I needed to kind of sit in the discomfort of just this place. And I felt like if I pursued the results too quickly, it would contribute to some of that escapism Mm -hmm. that then I could, I could sort of leapfrog over the enslavement part and go to like, well, where did we start? Where did we begin? You know, where can I kind of piece together all of those threads? And I, I really wanted to kind of soak in the, now that I can sort of put names or ages and people to these ideas of my enslaved history, I wanted to sit with them a little bit. You know, I I wanted to kind of imagine them and think about them and honor them, um, pray for them um, before I kind of went to that next step in my journey. Yeah. And we joked earlier about saying that you're the the descendant of enslaved Africans can make people uncomfortable. Well, I was speaking to a friend a few years ago and they went to a party and on the wall was a bill of sale for a person. Mm, And I think the party was being hosted like someone had allowed their house to be used for a party and it wasn't uh, black people. And oh, so uh, everyone was confused. And then they found out that the owners of the home were actually black. Um, but it was uh, this weird, okay, uh, like, are these, what was this mean? And that text was so important. Like, what does it mean to have this bill of sale of a person on this wall? And then understanding that it was coming from a black family, then all of a sudden there was a sense of awe, there was a sense of discomfort. And there's something about sitting, as you said, sitting with those ancestors at every stage of history and, mm. and making sure, you know, you see them, you, you know that yeah. they're there. You don't have to skip over them. Yeah. Um, so quick question, because now we actually do want to jump into results, but Shira has her results. Camila, do you have yours? I don't have them yet. Okay. Uh, Bashira, hope you are comfortable sharing. What, <laughs> what did your DNA test reveal to you? Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> so before I before I before I name the the groups, I will name three people that come from each of these groups. Um. Queen Amina, mm. Sheikh Uthman Danforio, oh, wow. Condoleezza Rice. Oh. Condi, that's that's like a. <laughs> I was not expecting that to be the third. So <laughs> when I was when I got the results, I did like a. I, I did a video chat with my sister. I was like, hey, we're going to record this moment in time. <laughs> you know, we're going to Google Hangout. We're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to record it so I can always come back to this moment. And honestly, I, I always thought that I would be opening this envelope, see the results and cry. I just thought it was going to be like a just just emotions and all types of different things. It was a sunny day. Um, the birds were chirping, my sister's on the other line and we're just cracking up. And, and I, I peeked at the results and the, my first response was no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wait, why is it no? (laughs) Like my ass is going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I finally get the results and I'm like, no, like I just wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting to see 
these groups. And those groups are one of them I'd never heard of before. It's uh, the T-Card people. Hmm. Um, and the other two were Hausa and Fulani. And I was like, wait, you're Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> they say in present day Cameroon, but we know that these are modern like nation state borders and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's all very modern and Cameroon borders, Nigeria. And, you know, all of these are semi nomadic peoples. And so they exist in many different places, um, as far west as Senegal and as far east as like Sudan and even in Egypt, there are some Fulani. But I had no idea, especially on my mother's side. Like we knew of some sort of connection to my dad's side of the family and Muslims um, because he had elders in his family that lived to be in their hundreds and they would always pass down this information to him. And so it's like, okay, this is believable. But my mom's side, I was like, wait a minute. Um, and we got a lot of evangelicals on that side of the family. <laughs> and so this is the reason why I was like, wait, okay, this is great and cool. But at the same time, like, am I going to tell aunt so-and-so? <laughs> like, yeah. she, are you? Her are people. you going to tell her, your aunt? I told yeah. one. My mom has like a bunch of siblings. She's one of 12. I told uh-huh. one aunt because she was interested in this kind of stuff. Yeah. And she's always been cool and down and supportive of my mom. My mom was like the only Muslim in her family for many years. So we thought. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, whoa, I, just, I don't know if I'm telling so many people. <laughs> because there's an element of, OK, now what? You know, like like Camila was saying, what does this change? Like what? What impact is this going to have on, on people? You, you, certainly, they, you, you shouldn't just convert to Islam now that you find out you have a Muslim ancestor. But for me, it was, first of all, important just to know. And and secondly, to be able to piece together, like, this part of, like, who we are. Like, okay, I now I can fill in some other things. And I, I know that it's, for me, and for many people, it's, it's a journey, you know? Yeah. Like, it took me, I'm... You know, I'm in my 30s and it took me this long to to actually get the DNA test done, Um, you know. So and even then, like I've traveled to like Ghana, you know, when I was in college and I, you know, for growing up as a kid, we would go to like Charleston and, you know, in in Sapelo Island. We we would do these things. So for me, it's been a lifelong journey to find out and then to find out this aspect was like, this is okay. This is cool. Um, but it's, a, it's also funny cause I told my mom, I was like, Hey, Condoleezza Rice shares like genetic ancestry with, <laughs> with the same group that we do. And she was like, what? No, <laughs> I'm so mad. She's like that part of the results. No, not correct. And, not and the funny thing is you don't get to pick your family. You don't choose <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and like my grandmother would say, um, you know, you're doing, she's 91. My mom's mom. Uh, she's the only grandparent that we've ever known. Um, she would say, you keep doing all this searching, you're going to find something you don't like. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> she, you know, going back to what Camilla was saying, it's very true. Like when you, you have mm-hmm. to be prepared for like what this means. Um, and like, I remember being 12 years old and asking my grandmother about her family and I got snapped on and, and, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand at that age. I really didn't understand. It was very triggering for her because mm-hmm. she was a woman who was born in 1925 mm-hmm. in Charleston, South Carolina, also the first state they seceded from the union because they wanted to keep slaves, you know? Um, so there's a, a ton of like reasons why people don't discuss their, especially, you know, black people, because, you know, it, it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of like, um, having to deal with like the reality and the history of oppression and violence you know, mm-hmm. that, that we've had to endure. Um, but those naming, be, being able to na- put a name 
I never thought Hauser or Fulani. I'm like, I'm very familiar with these groups of people, you know. I just and I just never thought on my mom's side. I was like, what? You go poking around and you start finding some yeah. what? So who are the who are the T car people? That's the only group that I don't think I'm familiar with. There are a semi-nomadic group that live predominantly in northern Cameroon and northern and western Cameroon, which is which borders Nigeria. Um, and they're, they say they're like a, a, like a sort of a Bantu group. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more that I have to learn about them. I started doing a lot of digging. Um, and I actually had, I have a friend who's Cameroonian and I was like, Hey, do you know anything about these people? He's like, yeah, they're like cousins to my people. He's like, I knew you were my sister. I was like, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> on, a, on a side note, I, I'm not sure if Erica Badu is Takar, but I watched her um, ancestry on OK Africa, and she's also mm-hmm. Cameroonian. <laughs> Another cousin. <laughs> Another cousin. So yeah. it, it's just, it's so much to learn. There's so much to read about. And they, they gave me a certificate and they were like, you know. You certified. We're certified. Yeah. They like, we're 100% confident that you are these these groups. I'm like, okay. And then it's like, what do you do? Do you, do you like hyphenate it? Regular black hyphenate it. Takara hyphenate it. <laughs> it's funny because when I thought, I was like, okay, now I have this information. Like, and it, it just makes you, like, it made me think more about, okay, how do we identify, like, I found out genetic ancestry is not, it can't be confused with ethnicity, right? So I'm African-American by ethnicity, right? Mm-hmm. And that means I'm a person of African descent. I'm a person that has ancestry, genetic ancestry with these different groups. But my cultural and social reality is embedded and was created in this North America mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. space. So I think a lot of people, it also means that you have to know and understand what ethnicity is and, and what, you know, genetic ancestry means and why and how they're different and also nationality, you know, like all these things are really important just so you don't get wrapped up and confused in, in all the things. It's great to know this history. And I, you know, I think we've waited like hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. to find out. But in the context of, you know, in the here and now and today, like, I'm appreciative to, to know this information, but it doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, neglect or, or discard the, his, the, the more recent history, mm-hmm. right? Like, I am a person of African descent. I'm African-American. I'm black, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, but at the same time, I'm the type of person that will claim everything. I'm, I'm claiming all parts of me because Allah created me this way. I came through this type of history, and, you know, I, I feel more whole. And I also felt driving down the street, like, you know, I can stand a little taller. <laughs> like, just the, the knowing, you know, just 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 by knowing, just by knowing. Yeah, yeah I, I was actually curious to know if um, Bashir would be willing to share if she did find, you know, kind of European results um, in her her. Um, in her test for this um, discovery, I I wasn't really concerned about the European ancestry because I'd already had oral history um, as a kid that confirmed we had European ancestry. You know, um, the 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 last living relative that I had that left the plantation was literally my aunt that passed last year, mm-hmm. and so 
the and you know she my my aunt on my father's side was she she did she she I guess a domestic worker um for an older white family and she had been with that family since forever um and then her mother before her worked for that same family and then if you keep going back that same white family I'm pretty sure people in my family were you know they were they were probably enslaved by that family um and so you know, I had I had visited this plantation, you know, in as a kid. We didn't know it was a plantation, but we always got this really eerie feeling going. And it's in the backwoods of South Carolina somewhere. And, you know, this family owned dogs. It was on the river. And we weren't allowed to use the bathroom because the white family wasn't down for that. And so, like, we, I had I had many experiences and, and just had this knowledge that, yeah, it exists, right? Um, and I was mentioning earlier that that one relative that we had that was born in 1868, my dad, you know, and she she was apparently someone who could pass for white because her father was probably, a, you know, a white slave owner or something. Um, so, like, we, we've known these things. And so for me, as a child, and even now as an adult, like, I've been able to, it's a given as far as I'm concerned. It's a given to have European ancestors. Um, you know, because again, the history of, of slavery in America. Um, so I didn't grapple so much with that aspect of it. It was already kind of confirmed for me. And I kind of wasn't, I also, you know, in terms of resources, I didn't want to spend money on a test that would tell me how much European ancestry I had. Cause I'm like, I got, I want to get to the African stuff. Um, you know, so for, for that reason, I didn't necessarily have to grapple with that, um, because I I already accept that that that, that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna lie. We've we've done a lot of episodes, and I think this one has been the most difficult for me personally. I'm not the historian in our family, and I think part of it is because, like you were saying, you know, if you go searching, you might find out some stuff that you don't want to know. And it's like, I'm, I'm pretty fair skinned for a black woman. And I know that there are some German immigrants who came to this country and, and married into our family and, and all of that. Um, but I also know that there are some other parts of my lineage that are painful and that were secret and parents who we thought were parents who weren't actually parents. And I am feeling very heavy uh, thinking about asking those questions and realizing a hesitance that I didn't previously know existed because, you know, I'm someone I like to think that I'm like this woke black person who's not (laughs) not afraid of anything. But I, I do wonder, you know, Bashira and Camila, what should our communities be doing to heal these wounds and to make it a little bit easier to start to ask some of these questions, given the pain that lies just beneath the surface or the potential for pain? I think, you know, again, those are the things that we sort of whisper about, um, you know, just knowing like, again, as 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 a product of this place of North America, um, there is the very high likelihood that there is. Um, and I, I think once we face the reality of that, like not, not the mythology around it, but the reality of it, um, it is very painful. Um, and so even respecting, um, like I think Bashir said she was snapped on. I mean, that, that happened to me so many times. People were like, why do you want to know that? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Those words exactly. Like, you didn't know, need well enough alone. <laughs> Um, but I, I think it's, I, I always go back to 
um, there's a, a psychology professor that talks about kind of the psychology of oppression. Um, and he said, home isn't just a place to sleep and hang your clothes. It's also a state of being of intrinsically fitting in to the community around you and being welcome, invited, accepted, and free to be complete. And so when I'm thinking about some of the information I now may have access to, I try to put it in terms of I'm finding my way home and home is going to be inside of me, but I need to know where it is. Um, And so when I'm trying, when I'm wrestling with either the pain or the shame of it, um, it's, it's to know that this is also things and emotions that are present in, in, in our homes in 2017, like it, nothing is always, you know, extremely satisfying and content and happy and peaceful. We also have storms that we kind of have to wrestle with as well. Um, but I, I think the important thing I would recommend, and, and I've tried to live by this, you know, in my journey, um, is to be aware when I am feeling triggered. Um, there have been moments when I've either kind of hit a wall in my, you know, kind of building my tree and finding different clues, but there's also been time where I felt overwhelmed. Like I need to, I need to put this away for a couple months, um, because I found someone and I'm really trying to kind of live with her story or, um, I've learned about, you know, really kind of gut-wrenching, heartbreaking stories that have been shared with me. And I can't, I can't proceed and kind of move on like, oh, well, that's like another piece of the puzzle. And now, you know, it's like, no, that was, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about some stories now and it's like, that was hard. And, and just knowing that it's okay to even cry. I mean, some people may think like, I don't really know these people. Why am I crying? Like, you know, why is this making me upset? But I, I think it's, is that's part of the honoring, um, mm-hmm. is to kind of be still and be quiet. Um, and, and to give each person that you discover their time. Um, and so that may include, you know, tears that may include singing, dancing, whatever, whatever kind of ritual someone comes up with for themselves, but the pain is going to be there. I I think that's inevitable. Um, but I think it, it is also up to us how we try to, in the moment, reconcile all of the different emotions that may be kind of unearthed by, you know, by this quest for the history of self. Um, and, and that's important because as I, as I try to then share this with my kids, um, I have to be prepared to tell them the full story. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't resolved what that means for me, I'm going to leave some things out, which is what, which is what I'm trying to seek. Right. So I can't delete parts for my children because they're uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to model for them what is it like when I tell you your fifth great grandmother was enslaved on this plantation in Tennessee, you know, and they're kind of looking at me like wide eyed, like, Oh my God. So I, they're looking at me literally. And so I have Mm -hmm. to model them what it means to accept that and to embrace it and to, in some ways celebrate the people who were able to still survive despite it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think kind of like the psychological kind of impact of this is really what I hope black people in particular, um, 
are are finding ways to care for themselves um, truly. And we, we actually only have uh, one more question for both of you. Um, so we started uh, this conversation asking, where are you from? <laughs> um, <laughs> and maybe your answer will still be the same from when we started and from when you've gotten your DNA test results. But so the next time someone asks you, where are you really from? What will you tell them? And maybe it's the same thing. <laughs> I think for me, it'll be I'm Bashara yeah. from Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I, I think for me, since I'm still, you know, kind of eagerly waiting for my results, um, but there have been things I have been able to find, you know, like my, um, my father's uh, people actually immigrated to New York from St. Kitts. Um, they were from Navis. Um, and so that was like an interesting discovery because, you know, when people say, well, you know, black people didn't immigrate here. I'm like, well, actually, yeah. <laughs> some of them chose to <laughs> for whatever yeah. reason. Right. Um, but I, I think I would still, you know, I would say that, you know, I'm from Brooklyn kind of by way of the diaspora, you know, and that for me would be a way to kind of fully incorporate all of those things. And so if someone gives me a puzzled look, like they've never heard the term diaspora, then that would give me a clue as to whether or not this conversation is going to go any farther. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you guys so much. I'm not going to lie. Like my heart is very heavy right now. This is a very intense topic. I feel like I need to go eat ice cream and go for a walk. (laughs) No, it's so true. And it's, it's something like, thank you again, Bashara for pitching this topic. Um, because it's something I think about, but it's also like something that I just bury where I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. I'm not prepared for it. And so hearing both of you share your experiences, it's, it's been really overwhelming for me, but incredibly helpful in thinking about how I just want to move forward with my own ancestry. If you're interested in learning more about the history and relationship of Islam and blackness, check out Ahmed Mubarak and Dawood Walid's Centering Black Narrative, which was just released this month. It focuses on how blackness was understood during the first three generations of Muslims and includes the biographies of early Muslims from African and Arab lineage who would be considered black in today's context. Also, check out Dr. Rudolph Ware's The Walking Quran, which documents the significance of Quran schools in West African Muslim communities and how they became powerful channels for African resistance during the eras of the slave trade and colonization. Until next time, this is Aklas. And this is Mecca. 